You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com. This is a Paramount podcast. I am Mike Casazza. In the press box above Mountaineer Field, joined here by Chris Anderson. Chris, um, pretty good seat for what's happening out in the field right now. Ollie Gordon just scored again. Well, uh, let me guess. No one touched him. There's no one else in the field. It's, it's uh, which kind of was the story during the fourth quarter when there were 11 other people in the field that couldn't get hands on him either. A um historic performance by the visitor tonight. Nobody has ever done what Ollie Gordon did. The sophomore ran the ball 29 times, 282 yards, four touchdowns. That is the highest combination of yards and touchdowns by an opponent ever, which may not be surprising. It's the second largest yardage total by an opponent ever. Only Khalil Herbert was better by nine yards in 2017. Um, boy, this um this was one that they could not afford to lose that they were trying to get somewhere this season. Listen, they may run the table and all of a sudden make us look really weird. It's really hard to stare into the crystal ball and forecast that based on what we saw tonight, which was a team that is probably equal in a lot of aspects, just play a whole lot better, especially when it mattered most. Um, especially when it mattered most. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I think when the moments were the biggest, that was when West Virginia played their worst, which is not. Not a good thing when you're trying to win football games. What is also not a good thing is when you're questioning effort and discipline in week eight of a season. When your team's a winning football team, like some of the effort stuff and the decision and the discipline stuff, that's stuff you see when a team is like one in five and you and you've lost them, you know, and the season's kind of lost and everything's going south. This team was four and two and two and one. And I just, it's hard to explain. I mean, even Neil Brown was at a loss for words. I mean, he had some choice words after the game, but even he was like, I just can't even explain what was happening out there in some of those mistakes. And I don't think anybody can right now. Yeah. The, the thing that probably is most worrisome to him, whether he's going to say this or not, and what is going to be, at least on the minds, if not on the tip of the tongue, of people who watch this program from near or far, but have an interest about the leadership, the present, and the future thereof, it's going to be that this is much more like what was expected before, and then, you hate to say this, even during the season. It just 
does seem like some bills have come due and that you were not going to be able to get by playing that type of offense. You were not going to be able to sustain that level of defensive performance against that type of competition because the competition wasn't great. It got a little bit better. The defense still stood there, but it's running the two, I would say, pretty good offenses in a row here. Houston, I would think, better than Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State has a singular weapon that Houston cannot match. And the defense has wilted 48 points in the fourth quarter of the past two games, um, 41 and again, 48 tonight total. It just seems like the, the defense that carried this team to a four and one start is a far cry from where it was before. And some of that is to be expected when you look at who they're playing. It's it's not, you know, down teams that have quarterback issues. Um, this team might have a quarterback issue. It looks like it's found an answer, but it's got a really good guy you can hand it off with. And then there's just minimal resistance now by the defense, especially late on in games. We can get into all of that, but when a running back runs for north of 150 yards and three touchdowns in a quarter, and it's the fourth quarter, you have issues that you cannot ignore. That is not necessarily discipline. Um, It might be effort. It certainly seems like it's manpower and fatigue, and Brown said he's not going to use that as a crutch or an excuse while conceding that it probably is an explanation as to what's happening now. Um, This just seems like it's coming back down to earth very, very quickly. And if it's not already there, it's going to be down to earth soon. And perhaps some would say it's already started to crater. Yeah, like this, this, some of this is not a surprise. You and I had this conversation after a win, after the four and one start. I think, I believe if you go back and listen to that post game pod or the VIP mailbag pod that went, you know, 36 hours later, the, the question was, is this sustainable? And you and I both said, no, we don't think it is. Like you can't keep, winning like this you're going to keep trying to play games like this and eventually you know it's a point you're you're putting yourself in a bunch of coin flip situations and eventually you're not going to win it's not going to come up heads it's going to come up tails and it came up in tails in a big way last week and it came up in tails in a big way this week you have to find other ways to play the game of football or, or ways to win a football game and actually win it not squeak by uh because because then you're just kind of putting yourself in the hands of fate and Sometimes it's just not going to happen. And tonight it didn't happen. And then West Virginia made sure it didn't happen with, with some of their mistakes and their lack of tackling and, 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 and. Let me stick with you on this point here. If that's all right. Cause I think it's pretty interesting. People probably want us to discuss this before we get into what happened, but the defense has really leveled out. And again, leveling out might not even be the right word. It might be dipping beyond that. But the offense does have 39 and 34 points the past two games. It has looked explosive at times. It has done a lot of the things that when we watched early in the season, wonder why it wasn't happening. How could it? When would it? But it is happening. Is that reality? Like we're saying the defense has come back to reality a little bit. But is the offense more like what it could and should be? I, I don't see an outlier. I don't see like, a well, it's because they played blank. Okay, Houston didn't have a great defense, but Oklahoma State has played good defense. But we also talked about how forgiving their defense was and that it could give up big numbers by handoffs or by throws, and that did happen again tonight. So now you have a question of, okay, have they played? And again, Houston was one of the lower-ranked FBS defenses in the 90s in total offense, rushing offense, passing offense, um, defense, I mean, of course. And then Oklahoma State, we chronicled that this week, prone to issues but the offense is good enough to take advantage. You'd be concerned if they were getting 21, 24 points against these defenses. They're not. They're pressing the 40s. They're getting explosive plays. Is it a cure? Is it curing itself, Chris? Or is that a concern that when they run into a good defense, and I'm looking at the schedule trying to find one, 
that that might come back down to earth too. Possible. I, I to be honest, I think in both situations, both offense and defense, I think we've seen the two extremes for both. Like you know, the offense has been horrendous, like worse than we thought it was going to be. And these last couple of games, like, hey, you know, 39 to 34, I don't know if that's really what it is. Maybe, maybe it's possible, but it may be somewhere in the middle, but trending more towards the 39 and 34. And then the defense, yeah. I mean, we're like, this is, this is a lot. This is great. Maybe this is why it's happening. We're trying to find reasons. Maybe it's, you know, um, any Bishop just makes that big of a difference. When you have one good corner, one great corner, maybe it makes that big of a difference. But, you know, and he's been okay. He was okay tonight, but, yeah, this man, it's hard to explain what happened tonight because it's just that defense. And and man, I said it after the Houston game, people, or maybe it was in the mailbag where I was like, "This is, this is why the people are so angry," because it's all of their worst fears, all of the things that went wrong last year, reared its ugly head in the Houston game, and then it got worse tonight or this afternoon against Oklahoma State. It it because last year West Virginia lost because their offense was a little inconsistent. Their defense was horrendous and they made a bunch of stupid mistakes and bad turnovers and they couldn't tackle. And guess what? What they're doing again. And guess what? There's no one on the way to help. Not this season. Not right now. And and so I'm not sure um you know again how much better it's going to get because that it's it's alarming how bad the defense was right there. And, and I said, if you go back and look in the, the Chris and Mike VIP thread, I was like, West Virginia's playing a dangerous game right now. Yeah. Where they were putting a lot of guys on the island. And I think I kind of understood why. I think, uh, you know, kind of one of those like, hey, this is like really the only way they might have a chance to get stops. But it was a dangerous game. And eventually it didn't come in the passing game. A little bit in the passing game, but a lot of it came in the running game, and you just put yourself on islands like that. It's just not going to work. But I just don't know if West Virginia has the personnel not to right now. Yeah, the offensive defense is stuck in a bad marriage right now. You can see the offense is working on things and implementing things that do work. Like the past two games, we've seen different things. Like today, like last game was Devin Carter moving around, putting Preston Fox outside, and just trying to get some things to happen. We've seen some Cole Taylor uh, infusion in the offense that has slowed down a little bit. But tonight, a ton, a ton of unbalanced stuff in the running game. With Wyatt Milam and uh, Doug Nestor on the same side, hey, put your two best offensive players, offensive linemen on the same side, see what happens. They ran the other way quite a bit, but okay, that's read sometimes too. But you, you can just see they're doing things. They're trying to make it work. You get a lot of EJ Horton on the field tonight, something because of Hudson Clements' injury, but you can see it happening. The thing is that this is a team that wanted to go from pretty modest but effective offense to slightly less modest and more effective offense. It's not built to be explosive, but it's going to have to find ways to do that. The defense is going to play like this, whereas this offensive improvement might be good enough to win some games, if not for a defense that is just so kind right now. Um, How kind, Chris? Let's see. 281 yards rushing by Oklahoma State. That counts a four-yard knee at the end of the game. So 32 carries, 285 yards. That's bad. Eight times Oklahoma State had a 10-yard gain on a run. Eight. That accounted for 232 yards rushing. Eight times 10, Chris, is 80. Eight times 30 is 240. So this eight runs average about 30 yards to play. 
that's horrendous. And that is how they end up losing this game because they pop big run after big run in key situations. Frequently when they knew it was coming, they had no resistance. And it's really hard to watch that and say that those guys, linebacker, safety, were not fatigued. Aubrey Burks is a good player. He gets pinwheeled um, on a like a, a weird, like kind of a bubble play. It was an option and pitch it out to the right. Um, the stuff, the parting of the middle of the field, it looked like guys couldn't or wouldn't run a Gordon to try to stop him. Uh, got blocked out of the way and got kept out of the way again and again and again. And and you you just looked at it and said, this is a team that does not have a way to summon an answer right now. Um, and it keeps losing people. And this is not an excuse or anything, but the injuries absolutely add up because you're not only losing a starter, you're losing a backup because your backup becomes a starter. And this team doesn't go three deep in a lot of places. So that's an issue. And then with no Lance Dixon tonight, and maybe perpetually, you move Marcus Floyd into the spear now and then. That means that Marcus Floyd can't play that hybrid, like attacking defensive back linebacker position he was playing before, which really robs you if you're like behind the line TFL sack guy too. And if you're stationary and you don't have answers, you don't have ways to make plays there, you're going to be in the offensive crosshairs more often than not, and it's going to be trouble. Yeah, I'm glad this was brought up. And, you know, Neil Brown was almost like standoffish about this fatigue. And, like, I got his point about, hey, Ollie Gordon ran 29 times and he wasn't fatigued. Like, true. That's, that's, that's a fair point. But – no, it's not. Defense. No, it's not because I'd be very excited if I was Ollie Gordon getting to run the ball 29 times. I'd be juiced. And if I was the other side of the field, I would not be happy having to tackle him 29 times. I don't think that's, I think it sounds good. I don't think it's a very good point, though. Well, there's no, there's nothing to defend. Like there's, there's no, there's no one on defense. It's, it's amazing because for the first time during the Neil Brown era, they're at 85 scholarships and this somehow they're in the worst depth position they've been this entire time. I mean, the secondary, You've been talking about it for a couple of weeks now that like the corners and the safeties, like they don't sub. They can't, they just won't, just don't at all sub. And you, you know, you picked like Jacoby Spells. It's like, this is a guy that maybe should pick up a bigger role in the second half. Did he, I don't remember seeing him out there tonight again. Like they're just avoiding him for whatever reasons and running with the same corners all the time, the same linebackers all the time, the same safeties all the time. The only spots that's getting ro- rotated is defensive line. And guys are exhausted. And it's the same guys playing kickoff coverage and punt coverage. And I mean, I'm watching the kickoff coverage and I'm like, oh, there's Bartlett and there's Koba and there's Cutter. And they're like, so these guys are having to cover the kickoff, sprint mm-hmm. all the way down the field to cover the kickoff, and then immediately turn back around and start playing defense for an entire drive right after that. It's not great. Like, I get you want to. Put a couple guys in there on your kickoff coverage that are starters or a few guys. But it makes it that much more difficult if you don't have anybody to sub them out on defense, like at all. Like they're just like Iron Men basically playing all the time. Yeah. I'm wondering how many of those um, changes, how many of those those observations you made about the kick team, I wonder how much of that is changes due out of Matt Golden's touchdown last week. You know, did they say, listen, we got to get this guy out of the field? Um, for example, uh, Dixon is on the kickoff return team. Might not be on the team. He's not on the field today. So, you got to put somebody there and they're not going to put like a, uh, they're not going to put like Christian Stokes out there, Riley Collins. They're going to put somebody good out there. And again, like if they're worried about the quality of that, you address quality by, by putting quality players out there, but that takes a toll after a while, especially when they're kicking off a bunch as they did in this game. Um, Spells did play. He played probably more today than I noticed, but he's kind of got like a rotation where he just comes in. It's kind of like a catcher who only, you know, catches one pitcher in the rotation. Um, but he's coming in for like, one series, a half, and however long that goes, it goes. And it's been three and outs a couple of times. It wasn't today. He played about a six or seven play drive, I think. But he plays. But 
you're not going to put Andrew Wilson Lamp out there based on what you're seeing and, and other aspects of it. And then the safeties, yeah, it's Josiah Jackson and Aiden Tagaloa Nelson. Those are both true freshmen. Um, probably misidentify like Christian Stokes as a guy who could play back. He's a spear right now. Um, they don't, they didn't use Collins at all at spear today. So there's two spears that are redshirt freshmen and actually both redshirt freshmen that aren't playing where they can, they can give them a couple downs a game that might help, but they're not there yet. Um, it's, that's just a really problematic spot. They just do not have answers there. Uh, Davis Malander is back dressed today. Didn't play, but he's a receiver. Now he's on a spear or a safety. Um, that's, that's been a recruiting thing. It's probably going to jump up and get him. Um, if it hasn't already there too, uh, how about the actual game, Chris, we're talking, woe is me about trends. There's probably a big, big question here. It's the, it's the 500 pound gorilla that we will get to as far as it goes with Neil Brown and his job and what today does to that picture. But 10 nothing out of the gate. Um, a pretty soft play by Cole Taylor that just had the ball ripped away. A poor decision by Garrett Green on interception that leads to 10 points. You have the later, inter- the later just absolutely blooper play when Andrew Wilson Lamp blasts Preston Fox and is probably lucky he wasn't ejected for targeting. That leads to another touchdown. That's 17 points on three turnovers. Um, in this winning streak for Oklahoma State, they are plus six in turnovers. That is seven to, let me see here, five, eight, yeah, eight to two. So they don't give it away. They create turnovers and they've been scoring points off of it too. Uh, but bad start, bad finish, and in the middle, just not good enough to make up the difference that they created with their mistakes. Three turnovers for WVU results in 17 points. Two turnovers for Oklahoma State results in zero points. Huge. WVU. Like, that's rough. Um, that is rough. Um, you brought, now, see, now you, 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 you broke the seal on the 500-pound gorilla in the room, Mike. Should we just give it the bananas right now and get it over with? Well, because somebody asked me, couple weeks ago and one of the mailbag things and we didn't address it on the podcast but i answered it in in the written part of the mailbag and they said oh you know his six and six get neil brown fired and i said you know what you know somebody that was just very anti neil brown for a while now and i said well you know if you start four and one and finish six and six you're more likely to get fired than you were if it were you know start one and four and finish six and six which i feel is a not that exotic of a statement here, but I mean, these are two really bad ways to lose a game against two teams where you could make the argument West Virginia should beat them, should be more talented and, and like, shouldn't be making these mistakes. And I mean, you and I had the conversation of, Hey, look, there's four and one, there's four more games here where West Virginia is probably going to be favored. So eight and four is not crazy. And if you end up at six and six, like I thought six and six was a fireable number before the season. If you told me they started four and one and then finished six and six, I would have said, absolutely. It's a fireable number. I don't know. Neil Renbaker has said there is no number. He has said that repeatedly. So I, I don't know, but the way things are going, the feeling, the feel in the locker room or whatever Renbaker said he was checking out, it can't be good after these two losses. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, probably not. Um, it just, it just, the number is, you're right, it, it's irrelevant. Um, and again, if you just look at the way things go, this this probably is a decision that's made in the, the scope of 12 games. I don't think a bowl, which by and large is a meaningless exhibition now, I don't think that talks an AD into or out of making a change, especially when it comes to squandering weeks of potential time for a coaching search. So, this is realistically now, if it hasn't been a five-year thing, it's like a five-game thing for Brown where he's really got to gather some wins. And if you just look at the schedule, there's no excuse for them not to be in a bowl. If they don't go to a bowl, it's curtains, right? I think that's pretty obvious. But six and six, is that going to be enough? That means just two more wins the rest of the way. Would two and three do it? I think that really asks some questions there too. Um, this league is goofy. Just goofy things happen. Like you see Oklahoma, UCF today. And you see Texas down 21 nothing and coming back and maybe getting hosed by the officials, although it wasn't home. So it's not like it was home cooking against Texas. It's a weird league. Weird things could happen. Could West Virginia go to Oklahoma and beat a team it beat last year? I don't know. Oklahoma looked pretty ordinary today. And West Virginia has fits of capable football and offense and has had a good defense. So I don't think you could, I don't think you wake up tomorrow expecting it to be over. But I also wonder, I also wonder if decisions are made and you're talking yourself out of it one way or the other. Like, was a 4-1 and start good enough to say there's a lot of potential here in progress? I like this going forward. Convince me otherwise, Neil. And maybe that's happening. But maybe something is happening now where it's like, you know what? This isn't going the way, the way it needs to go. This isn't going the place it needs to be. This isn't going at the pace needed to make progress. Talk me out of it, Neil. And that's what makes these final few games so significant, especially when you look at the opposition. In the new Big 12 in the present Big 12, you're going to have to beat Houston. You're going to have to beat BYU. You're going to have to beat Cincinnati. You're going to have to beat UCF because you can't tread water in this league. Like You've got to make a move when the league gives you a chance to make a move. West Virginia's been an outlier on an island in this conference for quite some time. It hasn't played as well or for the stakes that TCU has played, and TCU came in at the same time. Some of the clutter is getting cleared out, the clutter being Texas and Oklahoma that stands in the way of West Virginia making progress. And if you take out two titans of the sport and you replace them with the teams that are coming in, that should not bully West Virginia. That should not stand in the way of West Virginia making progress. And you really have to think about that. So if the answer now comes in the form of losses to these new Big 12 teams and a record that's 500 or worse, then that's pretty compelling evidence. The other thing is, Chris, are those artificial wins? Like if those are games you have to win and you win them, what's the te- what's the attaboy like for, all right, great, you won a game you should have won. And that's why tonight's game is so important because it was very much an on-the-edge-of-the-fence game. Two pretty even teams, two teams that want to make a move in the new Big 12, and one team just came in and took it. And the other team, I think, wanted it, but kind of gave it away a little bit too. And those are striking statements, I think, when you're trying to make an evaluation. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and man, I don't know. I It's hard to have this conversation at this point in the year with with more to go because who knows what will happen down the stretch but things have to turn around and turn around quick because these two losses were both very bad and uh just 
Like it, it, that. Did you see that tweet I put up about the three biggest swings and win probability for tonight's game? Oh, I have my Anderson notifications on. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, so it's pretty it, interesting though. Go ahead. I liked it. Yeah, because it was so it was like the three biggest plays. You know, I I use that ESPN win probability, and I go play by play. I follow it during the game as we're as we're watching the game, and I do a big story about it. The plays that changed the game the day after the game, and usually, you know, even big plays, unless they come in like the last like minutes, are like, oh, that was a three percent swing, a five percent swing, something like that. The three biggest swings in favor of Oklahoma State today all came courtesy of wvu the first being the two missed tackles on the third and i don't remember what it was third and something but should have been like a five-yard loss and forced oklahoma state into a 50-yard field goal attempt it's the one that neil brown said he thought um there was a holding penalty uh 16.2 percent swing in favor of oklahoma state the 30 yards of penalties on one single play, the face mask, and then the late hit, 16.4% in favor of Oklahoma State. And then the Andrew Wilson lamp, Preston Fox, muffed punt, 17.5% in favor of Oklahoma State. Again, that's, that's West Virginia screw-ups swinging this play, this game, in favor of Oklahoma State in a dramatic fashion, like three times what a normal play, like a touchdown play, would change the game. Let's go to our DMs for a minute. Is that okay? Last week, I don't, I, think, I, I don't want to do that. You can do yours. Okay. Mine are uh, ugly right now. Last week, um, I DM'd you during the game that uh, Scott Keene might play because I just thought West Virginia might have a lot of answers for Houston, and they looked pretty good offensively. I was like, I'm just joking. I'm like, wow. They look pretty good offensively. They're doing some good things. This might get out of hand. Whoops. <laughs> so maybe don't listen to me. But um, we also said at halftime, you and I, this is such a dumb game that something dumb is going to happen. And man, that didn't come true. So we got one right. Um, just like there were just some weird things. Like the, just I, I understand that the field goal was no good by Oklahoma State. I was watching it. Like I'm right above that goalpost where I sit. And I was like, that was good, wasn't it? Like I thought it sneaked inside the pole. But just weird stuff like that's happening. And then just the calamity that befell West Virginia toward the end. You're just thinking this this is the team that just can't do anything right um, and sure does a lot wrong when it really matters there, too. Um, are you a believer in the Floyd penalty? Because it looked like that guy had his hands on Floyd's shoulder pad. I don't know that he tugged it, though. And that's a play Floyd probably has to make. Certainly Burks does. But Neil was pretty steamed about that one. Yeah, I was kind of meh about it. I didn't it, uh, as it happened, I wasn't thinking, boy, that is a hold. Like that's an obvious hold as the play was going on. Um, after Neil said it in the post game, I pulled it back up on my on my computer and was like, let me go back and look at that. And yeah, sure, maybe a hold, maybe. I'm just indifferent about that one, really. It's a huge call because if a TFL is one thing, a hold is a totally different animal right there. And maybe the floodgates don't open. So if you if he wants to isolate one thing, that might be that might be it. Um, we'll never know what happened there because he'll never let that slip if he sends that into the office. But um, I'd have to really see that slow down. I didn't see the jersey move so much. I saw the guy's shoulder pad covered by a hand, but I don't know if he grabbed shoulder pad beyond that too. Um, running game? Woof. Um, Please, let's discuss this because no, no, no Jalen Anderson. Interrupt. No Jalen Anderson. You're, you're there in the press box. You're there with um, with Neil Brown afterwards in the team room 
I'm listening from afar via the radio, and Tony Carini and Dwight Wallace are talking to um, Matt Moore. Wait, he what? says the word. Yes, they get to talk to Matt Moore from the locker room on the radio. Jeez. And he says out loud, basically, one, he says, offensive line was better this week than last week, which I said on the board, technically correct, because hmm. it's hard to be worse than they were last week. But then they talked openly about how good the run game is going went tonight. I would like to very much push back on that. Are you taking the side of this was a good run game? It was not, unless okay. unless you're going to feature Green in this capacity every game now, which may have answers in the future. But um, they they ran him a bunch on keepers. They they gave him reads and they gave him like they're running inverted beer stuff, which is pretty interesting. Using a lot of jet to help him out. I'm not sure how much that's been called or done before, but it was effective. But again, no Anderson. No white, zero carries for them. I don't. I don't think I see, saw Anderson at all. For him to go from backup to basically DMP coach's decision, that is mm-hmm. pretty significant. Maybe he was hurt or sick again, and we'll find out Monday. But that was not something I heard in any of my like off to the side debriefing with people. I just heard that Johnson was back and I had a good week of practice, and he was the best running back not named Valley Gordon today because Donaldson gets you thirteen carries, averaging three yards, a long of seven. That's tough. And Johnson's a guy who had two carries for three yards coming into the game. He had 14 carries for 72 yards, and he was the guy that they went to when they did sparks, when they needed to move the ball. He was their, their bell cow in the second half. I'm not sure how however green that is because he hasn't been that guy this year. He hasn't been healthy. I get that. But um, they're, they're trying to do right when they keep uncovering new um, – problem isn't the right word because getting Johnson healthy on the field isn't a problem but it's a certainly a complication I think when he's on you don't use white and you don't use Anderson at all suddenly this thing seems like it's a different story but the same story too yeah a lot of the same issues and Donaldson and something's up with him I don't know and this the offensive line again was not very good I think you know last week was really bad this week was just kind of bad and but Donaldson he does he does so much of the kind of stutter stepping and waiting on your blockers, like even when it's not there, like I I want to see him again do because what made him so successful last year was he just ran forward. That was it. Like he just ran. He just hit the hole and ran, and there wasn't any thinking that went to it. Now did that result in some problems? Did that result in like you know some occasional like him missing some potential big holes? Sure, sure, of course it did. But he just ran forward. He's like, hey, I'm 240 pounds, and I'm just going to run straight forward. And he would just burst through the line and end up with a big play. And every single time he touches the ball this year, every time he touches the ball, there's a stutter step or a sidestep in the backfield where he's you know, doing that thing where the running backs stick their hand on the back of the lineman and try to find which way they want to go. And that's not the type of back he is. And I think he just needs to get back to just running the football, um, which is what he did so well last year. What do you make green 16 carries 117 yards and not a ton of it was scrambles. I mean, this is mostly by design or at least by uh, options, uh, kind of a weird word to talk about here, but like it was his option to run. It seemed, it seemed sometimes to keep it, to read and go. Um, he's doomed by one, but they're blaming him for the fourth down uh, failure, but he also ran the ball pretty effectively today too. Yeah. I mean, he's a weapon. He's the best weapon on the team. I, I, I again, I'm watching from afar and 
can't remember who they credited it to, but RG3 and uh, the guy who was calling the game said, it might have been Neil Brown, that when they were, or Chad Scott, one of the two, when they were talking to them, that whoever it was, whichever WV coach it was, was emphatic that Garrett Green was by far the best weapon on offense for WVU. Agree or disagree, first off? Well, if he could throw it to himself, there'd be no argument. <laughs> not like Kurt Henning, unfortunately. That's not going to happen. But yeah, I mean, he's the guy that, again, he can let it rip and make some things happen. The touchdown to Carter today was great because he he really frightened Oklahoma State. Um, they jumped in the tempo too, Chris. Amazing how that works. But he showed it off for the second straight game where he's he can be dynamic. And the better he gets, you're going to see that more often, I think. Um, and to the point, like, I'm pretty sure in the morning he's going to lead the country in yards per completion. What? Is that right? Maybe. Possibly. I think so. I mean, that's it's it's the same thing you and I talked about last week. Embrace the Skyler Howard offense. Let him run, let him run, and then just throw it deep. Let him run, let him run, throw it deep. Period. That's it. That's all you need to do. How do you feel about the onside kick? Uh, amazing. I, I, I'm okay with the decision. I know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, I think there were some people calling Hey, you got three timeouts, yada, yada, yada. But I agree also with the fact that because of the penalty, you're even pushing it further back. So there's less of a, should have been less of a, you know, not a penalty, but a, you know, negative if you don't get it. So I was very much okay with the decision to go for it. I thought the kick by Danny King was excellent. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what the heck all that other crap is. Like, I mean, and it was just like, silly fodder like dressing you know window dressing when it was completely unnecessary they knew they were going to be onside kicking because danny king was not far back so they knew it was an onside kick and so it's it's either window unnecessary window dressing that resulted in bad timing and no one no one in position to recover a very good onside kick who kicked it danny king Okay. They also had another kicker out there, I think. Oh, did they? I'd have to go back and look at it, but I don't know. We might want to edit this out, but I, I was wondering if, because I was in transit from downstairs to upstairs to downstairs for the post game, um, and I didn't want to miss much. I knew they were driving like, all right, they might score. Let me get to a TV where I can do that and be ready for the press conference. But I knew that Hayes got hurt on the kick and didn't kick, but right. I was pretty sure there was another kicker out there as well. So I was like, did I have three? And I was like, wait a minute, no, because King or uh, King's in there because Hayes wasn't. But I was wondering if there was a punter out there. I'd have to double check. But the one player on the left, nine on the right, well, guess what? That ball is, they're going to have to shift because you have to have five on the other side of the kicker, at least five, right? So yeah. it's going to shift. What's going to happen? They're not going to run. Like once they all start moving, you understand what it's going to be. So there was no deception. And then like it was a great kick, but I'm assuming they worked that and it, and it, and it does succeed every now and then. But um the design is good. I wonder what the flaw was there because that's a weird one to land on unless you really like it and you don't really like it unless it works. Um, I wonder what went bad there. Maybe it was just like stage fright first time out and trying to make that work. Cause it, it just, it did just seem like the timing was off. Like maybe that gives you a running start to get you a better, you know, opportunity to kind of get in there and make some contact with some guys and try to get the ball. But it, the timing was just wrong. And again, it just seems like this was an unnecessary step that, that resulted in the timing being off and no one being there. Cause I think it was Devin Carter was the one, the the one lonesome guy on the, the near side. 
Correct. And he was like the only one in the screen, like when when the ball was actually bouncing up in the air and was a chance for them to get it. So just rough, 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 rough. All right, let's wrap it up here. I don't have much more to say on this. I think it's gotten a lot of airtime, and I wonder how many people are just beyond frustrated and still listening here. But normal course of uh, post-game stories here, snap counts, which ought to be really interesting given, I think, the the anvil around uh, some of the feet of these players on defense and that this team's gotten bigger and bigger and more severe as the season goes along. But um, saw some new stuff with people on offense, too. So maybe some new roles and new snap counts there. A lot of, like, weird stuff with different people. So that'll be worth watching, I think. Three things I think, three things I know. We'll get some notes and quotes. And then uh, I think your features ought to be pretty revealing as well, Chris. Yeah, we'll have the report card up. What plays that change the game again. There's a lot of back and forth. Uh, another game where West Virginia was, I believe, at one point, 80% to win this game uh, based off of what was happening and what was about to happen. Uh, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth uh, all day long. And now, hey, got to catch up with some visitors and see what they think of everything going on. And if it's if it's worth posting, I'll post them. Eric Green was number three in the country entering the game at 16.7 yards per completion. Uh, 16.6 today, so he might be there. There's some trivia, right? Love it. Until next time, I'm Mike Casazzo. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you then. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Sample, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 